Hey y'all, Amanda here. Join us for part two of US Army veteran Margie Anderson's story. We had so much fun talking to her that we decided to break this podcast up into two parts. And here is part two. So without further ado, Margie Anderson. Amber, what are you drinking today? I'm drinking water. What are you drinking, Amanda? Mystery vodka. Okay. With an orange cream handcrafted soda. Oh, how is it? Delicious. (laughs) Welcome to this episode of Veterans Drinking Vodka. We believe that every veteran has a story to tell and we are here to tell it. We have found that being a service member was easy, but being a veteran can be very hard. In this episode, we are talking to Margie Anderson. Margie served in the United States Army from 2004 to 2009, and she was the police, the military police. 5-0 military. (laughs) I don't think we've ever done so many plugs for YouTube in an episode. (laughs) sorry do what they're usually not so visual I know they're not and this is one where we cannot describe it for the listeners like you actually have to see this happening you're gonna have to see this one on YouTube that's my life Margie's gonna get our YouTube to a thousand in one episode (laughs) because she's she's kind of a badass bitch uh so Margie eventually though you do have to give up the shenanigans, not in life, but in the military, and become a veteran. How was your transition from active duty to civilian status? Um, you know what? It was actually a really rough one. <laughs> so after I came out of Iraq, I found out I was pregnant. I was still with the same guy and everything. Um so and walkie-talkie man is your baby daddy. Huh? Walkie-talkie man is your baby daddy? Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> walkie-talkie. walkie-talkie. <laughs> God, baby daddy. Yes. We were engaged at that time. So anyway, so it's fine. It's fine. Um, walkie-talkie daddy. Um, yeah. So I didn't find out I was pregnant until after we got home. And so had a hell of a pregnancy. It was a horrible pregnancy. I love my daughter. We all love our children. I love, yeah, it's debatable sometimes though. Um, right. Yes. Okay, go. No, 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 no. Edit. (laughs) I honestly have told my son his entire life that he's my favorite life ruiner. Oh my God, Amanda, that is fucked up. He knows I love him. He knows. I want I want my daughter to be like, mom, I'm your only life ruiner. And I'm like, touche. Touche. I want my daughter. I had that mistake once. (laughs) I want my daughter's first tattoo to be uh, made in Iraq. Oh my God. Yes. You have to take her. Oh, I told her. I was like, your first tattoo made in Iraq, bitch. I am paying (laughs) for it. Little small, little stamp made in Iraq, born in Germany. 
American made, you know, like, yes, that's amazing transitioning. So me and him were obviously still in the military together. And, um, by the time she was six months old, we were going back to Iraq. And so he didn't want to go without me. I didn't want to go, you know, so we both decided let's get out. So we both got out, moved here to Oregon. And then once we got to Oregon dynamics change and, uh, we just kind of went our, we got a divorce. It all happens, but during the divorce, huh? Okay, we're all part of the divorce club. I know, right? Cheers to divorce. During the divorce, I was getting my associates and bachelor's degree. So I got my associates and bachelor's degree in less than four years. So I have my bachelor's in psychology. Um, I just balls to the wall college. Just wanted to get it done. Like everything else you do, no biggie. Yeah. I feel like if it took you longer than that, I'd be slightly disappointed. Whoa. I mean, I just met you today and I already feel like it happened. I got you. <laughs> uh, and so funny thing is, like right after I got a co- out of college, like six um six months out of college, I, um, was babysitting one of my daughter's, you know, school friends. And he was like, Hey, I'm leaving my job. And so I think you would be best for it. And I'm like, okay, what is it? He's like the veterans and military caseworker for the congressman. I was like, okay, right. (laughs) They don't want me. (laughs) Um, but funny story is I, um, I went for, it was actually a wounded warrior program. There's a difference between the program and the project. The program wounded warrior program is with the house of representatives. So it's a two year program that each representative can go for, you know, not every representative gets it. So I, I actually got it. And I, I love my, I love my job and I'm trying not to cry. So I got the job and they're like, we have to have you. I'm like, okay. Here's to getting the job. I know. Fucking dream job. God, when was that? That was like six or seven years ago. Um, 2015, 14. I don't know. Somebody do the math. Like her alcohol, not drinking. We don't. We don't. I like it. It was back then. It was, my math podcast. it was back then. So, um, yeah. I like that answer. So, yeah, I got the job. And the way I got the job, I was actually in Vegas on a um, training site for shooting. Of course you were. <laughs> I, I, was, I was shooting at a training course, and I got a phone call. And I told the course people, I was like, hey, I might get a call. And so I took the phone call and they're like, Hey, where are you? I was like, oh, sorry, I'm at the, I'm, I'm shooting right now. <laughs> they're like, okay. Yes. <laughs> Been here ever since. Well, like I said, it's only you a can't two-year. Leave them. Huh? You can't leave them. Well, ugh. well, that's a long story. So that program is only a, a two-year thing. So the congressman can either bring you on to his regular staff or say, 
You are awesome. Bye. I was actually the first one out of four that he said, we want to keep you. Wow. And I was like, why? <laughs> why? Germany. <laughs> I know. I want to go back to Germany. Why? <laughs> yeah, no, I, and I try not to cry because I love my veterans. And when I say my veterans, it's just everybody, the country, the world's veterans that, that has helped America. And I'm going to try not to cry. Um, You're doing really good. I, I love them. And no matter where a veteran is, I don't care if you're not in my state, in my district, ask me a question. I'm always on Facebook, just looking for those veterans that are like, why didn't the VA pay me? I was like, I don't know, but let's figure this shit out. You know, I, I'm on so many different Facebook, you know, groups that I'm just watching. And then, you know, finding you guys and finding other veteran groups, even on TikTok. And I think that's also why my, my congressman loved me. He's like, you're just reaching out. And I was like, I don't care where they are, sir. I want to help them, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And I've, it's hard for me to talk about all the awesome and cool things I've done because these veterans, us veterans, they were supposed to have these things and the government just fucked them somehow. And it's like, I just, I want to work really hard to fix that. And I have. And in my, we had to do, you know, a review in, in four years, I was able to get multiple veterans, almost $2.5 million back. Wow. And, and it just hurts me that it, it took somebody in my position to make the government realize that you fucked up. Sorry, I don't mean to cry. And I've just gotten, I just, I love that I'm able to help the veterans. I'm able to help when they're like, I'm, I'm either going to just end it all if the VA and I'm just like, nope, how, how can I help you? What, what? Anyway, um, we can cheers to you. Well, that I helps. know. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, cheers to veterans, not me. And helping anyone that needs it. Yes. And I, and I, I won't, I will say this. Sometimes I just can't help them. It's like, uh, that's not in the rules or regulations. And that's one of the things I really fight with my, my boss, not fight. I'm just, I tell him, I'm like, this is bullshit. Why, why can't a veteran get that? And I will say, like, I fought for our, um, our, um, trying not to cry. Sorry. You know how Vietnam era veterans are agent orange and all that stuff. Right. Yes. And so we, Iraq, um, Gulf war and Afghanistan, Afghanistan veterans have the, um, firm pit. Yes. I really fought with my, my congressman because they were going to do 
put in more money and research for golf or for um, Vietnam veterans. And I said, why not add golf veterans? Why not add Iraq veterans? Why not add Afghanistan veterans? So we can start doing the research now. I have friends dying. Yeah. Add them into this bill so we can start that research. And I helped with that. And it's just funny to think about. I help with that. And I'm, you know, we're starting that research and we're not, our ages are not going to be the Vietnam people that are just dying for no reason. That are in their seventies now and still trying to deal with their shit. Yes. Sorry. I, I just love it. I have so much passion for my veterans, for my brothers and sisters and well, at the end which, of the day, we're, we're all we have, and we're the only ones that can advocate properly for what we need. Yes. Yes. So. And that's That's huge. what I do. That's huge. Can and we get back that. to something funny? Right. Sorry. I, I love that your path has taken you to a place where you can put your passion to work and help the people that need it most. Oh, yeah. And that's incredible. I, I love it. And that yeah. that shows that sometimes you don't know what the reasons are for the paths that you take in life until things are actually happening. Because I'm sure when you got out, you were like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. <laughs> and then, yes. but you kept an open mind. You used your network and your connections that you created post-military and you thought outside the box and you weren't afraid to go down a path that you weren't sure how it was going to end. And now you've helped veterans get to, what'd you say? Two point. So my, my first, (laughs) my first congressman that I worked for, he retired last year and we had to do an overview. And so it was like, it was like in, I've now in April, I've had this job six years. So yeah, in five years, two point two point five. Sorry. Million dollars that you have helped get into the pockets of veterans that needed it. And that that is angelic. Like I can't think of a better word than that, angelic. And it's because you didn't know what you were going to do and you trusted the network that you built and you followed your heart and you thought outside the box and you trusted that even though you didn't know if this job was going to last more than two years or not, that like you needed to go down that route. I know it sucks. Every two years, I may not have a job, but But I'm, I'm okay with that. (laughs) You're still rocking it. And that's incredible. And that's, <sighs> you are good at what you do and the world is a better place because of it. Don't so, make me cry anymore. Oh my gosh. We, Amber's crying too. It's okay. I am, I am crying. You've, you've made I, me cry. If I didn't have a mental disorder that kept me from crying, like I'd be crying right there with you. For sure. No, well, I appreciate you. <laughs> we appreciate you. So after struggling post-military... Okay, what's up? Okay, so after struggling post-military and kind of like like feeling your way around to find your way, how are you doing today? Um, 
today I'm doing t- today I'm doing fabulous. I have vodka. <laughs> um, <laughs> self medication. Yeah, daily. Um, I will say that you know, even with all this bullshit, um, I I had my very dark lows and. I was suicidal. Like I had my suicide planned out and I was ready to execute that. And, um, thank God. And I'm not trying to push them or anything, but thank God for save a warrior. And it's, uh, it's called save a warrior or saw that. Have you? That is awesome. Is that one, Amber? No, no. Can you Google it? Derail, but can you go into just a little bit of detail about the Save the Warrior Project? It's, no, it's, save the Save a Warrior program. Save a Warrior. Save a Warrior. Yes. Um, for everybody, it's different. So they retrain you, just re make you rethink. And what really got me is it's not my story that I need to, you know, I don't need to take on your bullshit. I have enough on my own. So that's your story. And I appreciate your story, but I'm not going to take on your story. I want to help you, but I have enough, you know? Um, And it's just, maybe, just maybe I can save one. And it's really hard unless you it's hard to explain save a warrior because everybody gets something different from it because part of that save a warrior was like mumbo jumbo bullshit to me i'm like this is fucking dumb (laughs) okay yeah but that same that same part that didn't affect you might affect someone else yes what really affected me it it was the horses that's a huge, and they found, they found like, as they do it more with the horse therapy, that horses are a huge, like equine therapy is a huge. It is. Success. It has a huge success rate in helping veterans right now. It is. And it's, it's, it's a lot of classes, equine therapy. Um, I had to jump off this, like, you know, 30 foot fucking thing. I hate heights, but that I got nothing mentally and emotionally out of that. Some people do like I'm giving it all, you know, me, I'm just like, I fucking hate heights. I'm, I'm just scared right now of heights. Fuck everything else in my life. Yeah, um, but it was the it horses. Part of it. it was the horses that got, got me. And the trainer that was there, he was like, just kneel down. He's like, just kneel down and just open your arms and just be open. And I was like, all right, whatever. So I opened my arms and the horse just came and put his head on me. And he's like, just stay there. And I stood there for a second or stayed there for a second. And then I felt like I had just smoked like a shitload of weed (laughs) or just popped a lot of pills. I'm like, what's going on? And, and I just felt so relaxed and calm. And the horse walked away and the trainer is like, remember that feeling. He's like, just let it, let it all be. And I was just like, I was like, okay. And he, he's like, are you okay? I was like, can't fucking move, bro. (laughs) 
I was, I went so retarded. <laughs> I don't know. And I, and you know, they, they helped me and walked me away. And he was like, what were you imagining when you went limp? I was like, snow and water. And he was like, whenever you go into your dark place, you need to get to snow. You need to get to water or just think about it. And every time I try to, every time I go into a dark place, I think of snow and I think of water and I'm just like, you know what? My story is not done. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. Fucking horse. (laughs) Who knew? Like Amanda, Amanda said that horses are super good um, therapy animals. And is that a horse tattoo? No, it's snow. Okay. Snow. Okay. I love it. So back, quick backstory. Um, the reason why my brain went to snow and water the first day, the day I left, uh, Germany for Iraq, it snowed my last mission in Iraq. It snowed every time something is going wrong in my life, or I think it's going wrong. It fucking snows. Well, I feel like you've been in Texas the past week then because it (laughs) fucking snowed here. My life's going good. Should I go there though? Hey. Well, no, but it it I live in Bend, Oregon. It snows kind mm-hmm. of randomly, but I just when it snows, I feel cleansed and refreshed. Yeah. I don't know. That's your happy place. Fucking horses and snow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but but the horses are, and actually, Eddie Anderson, who's with Tackle 22, I don't know if you know who he is, but his mom does a veteran equine therapy yeah. um, program, and we'll be talking to her, too. Good. Shout Great. out to Barb. Can't wait to have you on. Right, Barb. Out of time out, we've already talked to you, but yeah. your episode will be following. <laughs> Good. It's coming. It's coming. I'm excited not to get too off track and I'm probably going to edit this part out of your podcast, but I'm super excited that we got to talk to Eddie and he is not only a veteran himself, but he comes from a family of veterans. And now because we talked to him and he enjoyed his time on our podcast, he referred us to his mother, Barb, who's badass. who is from what I've heard kind of scary. And so we're super excited to have her on our show. She was a Marine. Yeah, she's a Marine. Dude, Marines are awesome. Yeah. And Eddie was like, man, she is scary as shit. And I was like, I can, okay, we're going to get her on the show. We're going to have a good time. And I was so- nervous talking to her. Okay, so back on topic. <laughs> Margie, do you yes. have advice that you can give for either service members that are getting ready to get out of the service or veterans that have been struggling for a while, what advice would you give them? 100%. And I guess this is why I love my job (laughs) even more. Service members, 100% before you get out, six months before you get out, you need to start your VA disability claim. You need to start thinking from head all the way down to your toes of anything and everything that has happened to you. Even if you think it's the smallest, stupidest thing, 
write it down on your claim. Let the doctors figure it out. Um, Start that six months before you get out. So by the time you get out, at least three to four months, maybe five months, um, you'll start getting your disability paycheck. You know, that is one thing I'm happy I did. Like six months before I got out, I start my disability claim. And uh, four, four months before, four months after I got out, I got automatic 60%. I'm actually now a hundred percent because I, I have a lot of issues that took a while for the doctors to realize, but whatever. Um, veterans now, I don't care how old you are. Rules and regulations and laws are always changing and Veterans are able to get a lot more. You know, there's that blue water Navy veterans that uh, couldn't get shit. And these were, you know, like the, the, the veterans that were not right in Agent Orange, but they were close to it. Go get that stuff. And even if you don't think like, I'm fine. Okay, whatever. If not for you as the veteran, as your family, because when you pass away, your family can get things. Your, you will get burial benefits that will help your family pay for things. So if you as the veteran think I don't deserve anything, stop thinking about yourself. Think about your family. And most veterans think more about their family than themselves. That's true. Yes. When you go and get a claim done head to toe, it actually took five VSOs, veteran service officers. My fifth one found my TBI, my traumatic brain injury. He's like, you know, you got a bad concussion. I was like, nope, totally forgot about that. Yeah, it's right here in your medical records. If your first VSO gets you nothing, keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. Go all the way to the board. It's a pain in the ass, I know. But if you know you are supposed to get it, go for it. Now, there is another side of this. You know, I there is some people that don't. Like, I'm sorry, because of rules and regulations, you don't get anything. And I'm, I'm sorry, you know, uh, you know, and I, and I'm not our national guard and our reserve people. You're amazing. I appreciate you that you're at the ready, but sometimes it's because you haven't done enough. You've done your weekend a month and that's all you've done. I mean, if you got injured, yes, go for it. But if you just show up on the weekend, I am here, leave, go home, show up on the weekend. You know, there's not much we can give you because you, God, I hate saying it because it sounds heartless. It's like you didn't really do anything except for show up. I appreciate you wanting to be there. So please know I'm not trying to sound heartless, heartless. (laughs) But um, to any and every veteran, if you think you deserve something, go for it. Fuck it. Try it. Fuck it. 
it. Fuck it. If you don't ask and if you don't push for it, you'll never know if you deserve it or if your family deserves it. Yeah. Yeah. And especially those veterans, like, oh, I'm not that bad off. I'm fine. The money and the medical stuff is there for you. I don't give a shit. Like, look at me. I look perfectly fine. I have a great job. Guess what? I'm really fucked up. I play it very well, but I'm fucked up in a yeah. good way. Yeah. No, I, I'm i right there with you. Like, I went 10 years without getting help, and I made a lot of mistakes, and I right? a lot, and I spent some time in jail and rehab and some other things that – happened and then I was like fuck I need to get some help and I had a great VSO that went through my medical record and said write this shit down on and submit it yes and then I had no excuse so I did and I'm way more fucked up than I ever gave myself credit for and 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 I appreciate that you brought that up like going through college college was hell and hard for me and I went through a lot of depression because I couldn't understand why I couldn't remember things Why can't I remember this simple shit? Depression. It wasn't until my VSO said, you have a TBI. And it just clicked. Yep. No shit. But um, just like you, there's a new law and rule regulation that's coming out. um, And it's already in the process. Like veterans that got a um, dishonorable discharge. And if it was because of mentality, you are a bad person, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They can put that. If it was because of PTSD and your deployments, you can get an honorable discharge. They can get that changed. And then that's fantastic. That is, you can get the fucking help you need. Because there's several people that got dishonorable discharges that didn't know what was going on in their brain when it happened. So, sorry, I know that's a lot, what I can say for, you know, active duty and yeah. veterans. And that's huge. And it's, it's important to know that sometimes they know you're more messed up than you even know you are. <laughs> I know I get veterans all the time. And I, you know, when they come to my office and I'm like, they're like, well, do you understand? I was like, here, let me tell you my shit show. And they're just like. <laughs> Shit, shit. Oh, wow. I'm like, yeah, I fucking get your bullshit, bro. Fucking bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, occasionally you get that veteran that is not a shit show that is trying to be. And the people, the comp and pen people, they do it so much that they know. But then you get people like me or even you, Margie, that are like, I'm not a shit show. And you go in there and they're like, oh no, you are a shit show. That's another thing. A lot of veterans will go in on their best day ever to a cop and pen. And they're like, I'm fucking fabulous. Comp and pen's like, nothing's wrong. No, 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 no. There's 365 days a year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Special moment. But out of that, out of those 200 of those days, you're probably a shit show. 
you or even half of those days you're a shit show but for some reason veterans go on their best day ever no no no, no. you need to go to your i did not go on my best day because i was trying hard to be okay don't be okay not good i was not trying to be good i was trying to just be okay that day like just getting there like walking through the door I was trying to be okay and I sat down in that lady's office and I I was not okay I feel it I feel it not okay and she got every bit of that and wrote that in my statement or whatever crap they do behind the scenes and with less than 30 days I had a response from the VA and they were like you're fucked up I was like yeah I'm not saying cheat the system but you know, be. But if you need the help, them. Like, get the I'm help. a fucking shit show. Yeah. And I know personally, I needed the help. I didn't want to say that I needed the help, but I needed the help. I think for males and females, it's the hardest, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it took me, um, it took me like four years to finally tell the VA I was scared because of my ex-husband, you know, he'd take my daughter away. I was scared because of my job. Like I work for a fucking congressman. Nobody needs to know I'm suicidal. It finally took saw save a warrior for me to go to a comp and pin and said, I'm not okay. I have suicidal idolizations. I'm not okay. And they're like, okay, you are a shit show. I'm like, child. Yeah. I know my my comp and pen the lady was like have you ever seen trauma and I done like I lost it in that moment I was like have I seen trauma like are you have I seen trauma have you not read my records bitch have yeah. you not seen where I've been yeah like 05 Tarawa Somalia like <sighs> Just you saying Somalia, I'm just kind of, and, and, and forgive me, I'm just, when you say Somalia, I'm just like, tell me more. <laughs> like a retard, because I just, I don't know that part of the war or part of the bullshit. I, yeah. <laughs> shut up, Amber. <laughs> she's over here laughing. I know, she's laughing I'm at us. I'm trying not to because this is a serious conversation, but you're fucking killing me right now. <laughs> It's it's so serious, but I want to know because I don't know that side of the bullshit. Yeah. And if you don't talk about it, I'm not going to know about that bullshit. And I want to know your bullshit. Yeah. And there's, it's there's interesting. Moments, there's moments of that bullshit that is still hard to talk about. And I'm getting there. Yes. I'm getting better. This podcast is definitely helping. But Good. there are moments from my deployment, even though I never went to Iraq where I was on the boat doing stuff that like is still not easy to talk about. Yeah. And when I do talk and about I'm just, it, I'm worried that people aren't going to believe it because it was such a shit show. Like you would, other veterans would, but your everyday person is not going to get it. They're not going to. And they're going to be like, well, why don't you just talk about it? And I'm like, <sighs> Yeah. And I know, yeah. yeah. so you know, that that stuff carries over into your real life, right? Yes. I'm sorry. I'm just like, you're so pretty. I, 
oh my god but I'm such a retard I'm sorry I love yeah but like you know and I didn't even realize how much of an issue I had with um compartmentalization and different things like that until I was working for the railroad and it wasn't specifically my train at that point that slaughtered a person, but it was a train going the other direction and we were the next train to go through. And so we had to obviously stop until like they cleared the scene. So we're just hanging out like whatever. And when something like that happens, you have to flag the, what we call flagging the crossing in the railroad. And this doesn't even have anything to do with war, but it's the repercussions of going to war because my general manager said, Hey, Amanda, when you get out to flag that crossing, be careful where you step because there's gray matter everywhere. And when someone says that to you and you have no emotions about it and you don't even flinch and you're like, Roger that boss. And you go out there and you're stepping over someone's brain that just got slaughtered by a train and it doesn't affect you at all. That's when you know that like, shit's real. Your desensitization is above and beyond what even a general military person or never mind a civilian, what they go through because you're stepping off that train, knowing that you're walking across someone's brains and you don't feel anything. That's that hits that hits hard, not in the moment, but when you get past it and you go home and you're at home at night in a room by yourself and you're like, why did I not have any emotions about that scenario? And then that takes you back to your deployments and the emotions you had and the things that you had to see and the things you had to do while you were deployed. And you're like, and even at that point, you're still not ready to admit that something is a problem. You're like, fuck it. Let's go to the bar. Yes. Like everything's fine. Like no problem. Like, what are you doing after work? Like, let's go to the big apple. Cause that's what we did when we got off work off shift at the railroad and it was midnight and the big apples open till two, we'd be like, let's go to the big apple, you know, four minutes down the road taking shots. Like it's cool because we just saw someone's head exploded on the front of a train and have no emotions about that shows the wounds that you get from being on a deployment and how they affect you later in life. And that's, that's a hard pill to swallow even today, even seven years down the road from when that situation happened. Like that's still hard because you're like, I shouldn't feel that way. Like I shouldn't feel like I don't care. And people, you can't talk to people about that because they're like, well, why didn't you care? And you're like, well, because that's like, it's just a thing. Drive on. Yeah. Keep going. Like, dang, I wish I could have been the one to hit him so I could have got a day off. Like, And that sounds so bad. No, we have fucked up since. I'm laughing. I'm sorry. I like, I gotta go to work tomorrow. I just did this and I have to go to work tomorrow. Like like the guy that hit him gets a day off. Like you can't even joke about like, what do I have to do to get a day off around here? Kill someone? Because that's legitimately what you have to do in the room to get a day off. And, but to have like that hit hard when I had no emotions for that scenario. And I was like, this is what 
war does to people. Like this is how your brain is de deconditioned. I can't even say conditioned. It's like deconditioned to react to situations like that. It's just so you can, you know, keep going. And I, yes, my very, 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 very first mission and outside the wire, um, because in Kuwait, I got hurt, had to learn how to walk again. So my very first mission, you can Google it. Uh, I saw my first sergeant and everybody just running to the trucks and them yelling, get the fucking trucks, get to the fucking trucks. We got to go get your shit. And, you know, I worked in the talk, just like a radio person. You're here. Okay, great. They're there. You know, and I, I yelled at my first sergeant. I was like, do you need me? He's like, get your shit. Let's go. I was like, okay, follow you anywhere. Cause I'm an idiot. <laughs> um, you can Google it. It's um, uh, Karbala of 2007. And that was a, it was a shit show of a night. And we were right there, you know, and that was my first time outside of the wire. And I was the only person on that mission to have a camera. And my truck became the talk. So I'm relaying messages of shit. And I got all the guys gear that were captive and killed. And I had all their gear. And till this day, I, in my trunk, I still have that uniform with all the blood on it. And I didn't, well, I did physically see them, but I didn't, I get you. I was desensitized. And do what you have to do to get through that moment. And it doesn't hit you until sometimes months or years later. I think it hit me a little bit. Well, (laughs) it like, once I finally got back home, it was like a 12, 24 hour thing because Mm -hmm. we had to secure the vehicles because blah, blah, blah. Like I said, it's in the times magazine. It was the first time that Iran was officially in the Iraq war. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, Karbala 2007. Um, I came back and I was cleaning off all the guys gear and shit. And then they gave me the guy's computer. He was FaceTiming his family and thank God his camera did not work. He was the first guy that, at the takeover, the IP station takeover. He was the first guy that got killed. You know, I had to clean, I had to clean this computer so that computer could go back to his family. I'm just sitting there cleaning it. And I'm just thinking, I really need to clean this. So the family can't look at this and know that (laughs) their person's stuff, their brains we're all over this. So I'm like with the fucking pig. Yeah. Right. I'm like, and we talk about that so freely, how like a person's body can explode like splatter paint or like so crazy. <laughs> yeah. When you really sit down and you, you think about the things that we say to describe like the things that happen over there and how desensitized we are to them and how it is impossible for us to leave the military service and lead a regular, normal, what's considered normal kind of 
life because we can never can. We never can. And and also sometimes your military time carries over into your civilian life. Like when Suleimani, everybody knows when Suleimani was killed, guess what? He was the direct person that affected Karbala. And guess what? He was in cahoots with one man that I picked up a week later that was in the back of my motherfucking truck. And our first sergeant didn't tell us who the fuck he actually was because he knew one of us would have fucking killed him. Yeah. The guy in the back of my truck was in cahoots and talked with Suleimani about Karbala. Mm -hmm. So when Suleimani was killed and I just... It just like so many things just connected. And I'm just like, my brain just could not. I, mm, if I fucking knew that motherfucker, he wore my goggles and they're still in my goddamn trunk. I would have fucking killed him. Yeah. I would have fucking known. And not even thought twice about it. (laughs) Not even thought twice about it. No, I would have been like, oh shit, (laughs) misfire. Yeah. Oh. My bad. <laughs> that would not that would not have been the issue that I brought back with me from the war. Right? No, not, not at all. You killed so many of mine. Bye. Bye. Anyway, I'm just I understand yeah. that our military time continues. It continues oh, into fuck us. <laughs> yeah, it continues into everyday life. Yes. Fact. People are like, how are you okay right now? And I'm like, well, they were on the tracks. Like, they shouldn't have been on the tracks. But, like, that carries back to my time deployed where all these different things happened and you just learn how to deal with them. So when you get that job with the railroad or with whatever and you're dealing with still – you're dealing with tragedy, like, we killed, you know, three to six people a year with the trains because they were on the tracks or they didn't get out of the way or whatever the case might be. Um, and it was just part of what we did. And to be totally disconnected from that happening, just to know that you're in a, an occupation that it's not, if it's when you kill someone. And I'm like, well, I've already been through this. So whatever. And that carries over into your real job. And then when you leave the railroad and you, go to work in like a, an office type job. <laughs> when, like a box. I, yeah. When I accidentally became a paralegal for a little while. A lawyer I like how you said accidentally. Yeah, it was, it was an accident. I had a friend, like I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to use my GI bill. I'm going to go to school and I can't do that while I work for the railroad. Yeah. I, I'm proud of you for using that. Oh, there's there's more info about the GI Bill that I know. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Keep on going. So my my good friend who's an attorney was like, hey, we have this spot open to be an administrative assistant in the office. Do you want it while you go to school? And I'm like, why not? Like, what else am I doing? Okay, cool. Like a little bit of extra pocket money. Cool. So I get in there and the lawyers think I'm like the coolest person ever because I'm like, 
Like I know, cause I was an air traffic controller. So I know how to talk to people. I know how to be political, but at the same time, I don't put up with no shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, and the attention to detail skills that you get from being in the military are like second to none. So, and I wasn't scared of the attorneys. I would call them on their bullshit quickly. But the, the other girls that I worked for that were also administrative assistants slash paralegals, they couldn't handle that. And so they were always like, the attorneys were always like, Amanda. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Right? Like, Amanda, you, you see a bitch or an asshole, just be like. Like you, yeah, whatever. It's all good. But they were like, okay. you have to be nicer. And I'm like, I am being nice. <laughs> like I haven't even crossed that threshold yet. Yeah. I can be a bitch. <laughs> like, do you want to see me? Do you want to see Warrior Amanda come out? Because she hasn't even scratched the surface yet. Like, I just told them they messed up and they needed to fix their shit. <laughs> they were like, they just shake their head and walk away. Whatever. Yeah. All right. So, ah, back on track. we've been off track for for a hot minute now. So it's fabulous. You're you're gonna edit half of this shit out anyway. It's fine. Half of it in just for fun. But okay. So back on track. If our listeners would like to contact you, either to continue this conversation or if they just needed someone to talk to, our listeners are ninety eight percent veterans. Uh, where can they find you? I would highly recommend I'm always on Facebook. Um, so you can find me on Facebook. Uh, my name is Margie Anderson. Uh, I, I don't know. I think that's the best way. Only I don't want to give out too much personal information because who I work for, because yeah. then I could have that other side of people like contacting me. And I hate politics. I love my veterans and I want them to contact me. So, so if you're a veteran and you would like to contact Margie and if you just needed someone to talk to, or if you wanted to continue this conversation that we have been having with her this evening, contact her on Facebook through a direct message under her name or TikTok. She said, or, or TikTok. She said, or TikTok or TikTok G I gender. Um, just Google G I gender. Um, that's what my soldiers called me. Um, I, that name. I, I don't know why. <laughs> um, but like, if you're going to have a call sign, that's kind of a good one. I, I will say I work with Blackwater state department. Um, I was, while I was in Iraq, one of 12 females that could wear a special ops patch. Um, it's like, it's, it was cool back then. I mean, I guess it's not that cool nowadays. Because hmm. <laughs> women, yes, um, I did a lot of different shit back then. So own it while it was cool. Yeah, but yeah, um, Facebook, Facebook. TikTok, GI TikTok, GI Ginger. Reach I'm out. I'm gonna help you. Yeah, she is so much fun. She's making the heart for the listeners before this gets to YouTube. She's making the heart. Oh wait, here, let me get a picture. Got it. <laughs> I I want to help any veterans and or active duty. I'll do my fucking damnedest to try and get you an answer. And if not, I will, you know, 
find you the person that can get you that answer. I don't give don't a forget she knows people. She knows people. She does. But she is also very real. And if she looks at your situation and knows that there's nothing that can be done, she will let you know that too. I know yeah. it hurts. It, it hurts. But it's better to have someone like break it to you early before you waste a bunch of time. Yeah. Absolutely. I appreciate you ladies. We appreciate you too. And we've had so much fun with you this evening. I'm so stoked for this episode. (laughs) Amber, what do we have going on for a charity this season? All right. So for season two, of course, we're still going to continue to support Tova Hollow Project. Um, Their mission is super important to us as podcast hosts and as veterans. And we are going to support Greg C. Washington and the Walk to Honor mission that he has going on, which is to bring about mental health and suicide awareness in the veteran community, as well as civilians. But um, Greg is also a veteran himself and through his organization is bringing about awareness to veteran suicide. Um, so we are going to to support him. And if you need to learn about what he's got going on, you can go to his website. It is gregcwashington.com. And under his about section is a walk to honor. All right. Well, if you would like to contact Amber or myself for any further questions or for any reason at all, we can be found on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Veterans Drinking Vodka. You can also email us at veteransdrinkingvodka at gmail.com or check out our website, veteransdrinkingvodka.com. In case anyone was confused about who we are. Everything is Veterans Drinking Vodka. Like Amanda said, you can reach out to us pretty much anywhere. And we would love to hear from you. If you're interested in being a guest on our podcast and telling your story, you can send us an email or a direct message. If you like our podcast, subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Podcasts, Amazon, iHeartRadio, or wherever you choose to listen to your podcast. Also, leave us a review and let us know what you think. And as always, the reason why Amanda and I started this podcast was to not only share veteran stories and to network with other veterans, but to bring about the fact that 22 veterans kill themselves every day. And 22 is 22 too many. One is too many. And you are never alone. Veterans drinking vodka. Cheers.